My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 221 of Legally Clueless. Thank you for rocking with this podcast. If you are an OG member, I have got nothing but so much love for you. Thanks for the support for all of these years and for each and every episode. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome to the family. Audio episodes like this got every single Monday and you can stream them on Spotify or everywhere else you find podcasts on. Make sure you check out our website, which is LegallyCluelessAfrica.com because we're more than our podcast. We have three seasons of a badass video series that you need to check out. You can also check out our tour series where we go to different places, different countries, and just keep doing what we do, which is amplifying and getting you those juicy, inspiring African stories. Speaking of which... If you listen and you want to share your story of the podcast, all you have to do is fill out the storyteller form. It's in the show notes and we will get back to you. We record some of the stories virtually, so it doesn't matter where in the world you are. We will get your story. If you're African, you've got a valid story and we want to hear it. And the last thing is, ooh, join our cozy corner of the internet on Instagram. We're at Legally Clueless Africa and on TikTok as well because... We started being a bit more consistent that side as well. <laughs> We're at Legally Clueless Africa. There's links to those two pages in the show notes. I am very excited about this episode because I think something very magical about the stories has come out through it. Listen to this. So the first time I played a video game, I remember around three years old. From there, I went into my phase where I was really into Barbie dolls. I still am actually growing up with my older brother and cousin. Now we had a computer that had Mortal Kombat. Then when I was in Standard 4, my dad got us a PlayStation 2. I think at the time I really loved seeing badass women in video games since I didn't really see many of those. I just remember loving Lara Croft and that's how I became a history buff because I actually wanted to be an archaeologist at some point because of what she did. Then in high school, I was too busy trying to survive. I think we know how Kenyan boarding schools are. So I kind of uh, toned down my you know, video game thing. That is Queen Arrow and she's an eSport athlete from right here in Kenya making waves around the globe. I actually first met her in Montpellier in France. And I had little to no understanding of video games. So I was very nervous about recording this story. But I did find myself in the story. And it's I'll get into the magic of stories a little later. And like editing it, I was getting so excited just because I was like, ooh, okay. This is interesting about how connected we are as Africans and as humans. But we'll get to that in a bit. Let's jump to the song of the week, which is a song I just discovered last week while I was in Dakar. I was shooting a show that I was one of the hosts of, and my co-host is a guy called Ike. He is from Nigeria. He's a Nollywood actor. And one of the days after filming, we were chilling, waiting for lunch. He had control of the Bluetooth speaker, and he's playing different jams from South Africa, from Nigeria, songs that he likes. And then he plays this particular song, and I'm like, hold up, what song is that? I don't know how it's 
I wasn't even like paying attention to the music he was playing or conversations around the music. But when this particular song came up, I was just like, wait, what song is that? I don't know. I found it so spiritual. So it's called Pray. I don't know how to pronounce the <laughs> artist's name. I think IK told me it's Benson, but it's spelled B-X, no, B-N-X-N. Either way, I've put a link to the song in the show notes. And he's basically in the song, from what I gather, I could be completely wrong, but, you know, there's a bit of English in there. Just talking about, like, kind of, like, guidance and praying for his career and the things he wants to do and being thankful for how far he's come. I was listening to the song today (laughs) as I was driving to the supermarket. And I remember thinking, wow, it doesn't matter what religion you subscribe to. Prayer is, is very meditative. Prayer for me is speaking to my ancestors and I, I, I'm always telling them to be with me. So what do I normally say? I say it a lot before flights. To be beside me, within me and ahead of me. That's what I'm always telling my ancestors, especially when I'm about to do something out of my comfort zone, like taking a flight. But I also do pray that to them and, and ask them that only that which is mine should find me and that they should guide me in having the discernment to recognize what's mine and what isn't mine. Yeah, so I, I feel like, yeah, I still connect with this song, you know? Even though maybe the artist was writing it from a different religious standpoint. Does that make sense? I've gone on and on about prayer. Listen, the link to the song is in the show notes. Check it out. I love it. There's a bit of a choir in the background. All of these are point. He starts talking about a chick and date night, and I'm like, no, it's not about that. <laughs> Can we focus, please, sir? Anyway, I like it. I hope you do too. So I'm back home from Dakar. I have a few thoughts. First, I'm sending so much love to Senegal and her people in regards to the current situation and the lost lives and the loss of hope in democracy, hope in leadership. It's never an easy experience. And I was chatting with one of the friends. She was actually the director of the show I was shooting earlier and she's safe her mom is safe and I was just say you know it's one thing to be physically safe but you also have to take, take care of your your mental when you're in the state of fear and no control you know what I mean but yes I'm I'm just sending all my love that's one the second thing is man before this trip the imposter syndrome was so damn real first and foremost how have we not done an imposter syndrome episode yet, I think we are failing. <laughs> I feel like we need to have an episode on that because, oh, my goodness. So, like, the night of my flight, I was so uneasy. Like, I felt like it was even manifesting in physical symptoms this time, where my breathing was like, Ugh. the more I thought about what I was going to do, I haven't felt that way in eons. And I was so worried that I'd been contracted to host this show. It was something I've always wanted to do, but suddenly I was scared that I was going to fuck it up. And then the people who contracted me would realize I'm actually not that good at my job. I'm just hype. And that's the literal definition of imposter syndrome. (laughs) I was experiencing it like real time. Even at a point, I this is how crazy it got. My thoughts, I was like, "Am am I having these thoughts that people who, you know, those news stories about plane crashes and these people who 
changed their ticket last minute or decided not to travel and they're just like, oh, I just had a feeling. At a point I was like, maybe this is a feeling. <laughs> and I had to be like, no, it's not. You're just having mad anxiety about this thing that you've always wanted and you're having a hard time controlling your overthinking and you're spiraling. Basically, that's what's happening. Anyway, clearly I got on the flight, but I opened up to two people who are the closest people in my life right now to me. And the entire trip, these two people spoke to me daily. Either I was calling them or they checked in daily, which is wonderful. They were reminding me of who I am, what I'm good at, and that I deserve to be there. I deserve to be in that space. I have the skill set needed to be in that space, regardless of what my overthinking mind is telling me or the imposter syndrome is telling me. And I just felt, yeah, I, I know I've said this on, on very, very recent podcasts because at my big age is when I'm now learning to open up to people and stop being so hyper-independent even with mental struggles or like doubts and fears, just human feelings. Every time I open up, it's worked out for my good to allow those who you know love you, you know wish you nothing but the best. You know their hearts are so pure, their intentions are brilliant, and they see you to let them hold space for you. Especially in my job where I can't go in on set and be like, oh guys, I'm very nervous today. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I kind of need to have like a battalion besides me for the days I just have those human feelings of, am I good enough? You know, and so... I feel so blessed, honestly, in two ways. One, that I'm strong enough to open up and allow people to hold space for me. And two, that I have those people who don't see me as an inconvenience or a burden, which is one of my greatest fears and it would be the thing that would stop me from opening up to people. I would never want to be a burden, <laughs> You know, and so I tell myself, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to, be, you know, which is obviously all explained in the hyper independence episode. Refer to the previous episode if you're floating. But yeah, I just, if you're listening and you're having a hard time letting people who love you hold space for you, number one, work very hard to have the type of people who you truly want in your life around you. And this is not saying, that they're bad and good people. No, I think they're people who are just more able to see you the way you want to be seen, to love you the way you appreciate being loved and you have a connection with them. You know, it's not everyone you'll have a connection with. It doesn't mean that people are bad or that they are terrible or whatever. No, you just have a connection with other people. So first is to work hard on surrounding yourself with the right people and for me it's come down to about two three people which for me more than enough I'm good and then just practice opening up it's becoming easier the more I do it it's becoming so much easier so if you're listening to this this is your sign your ancestors have used me <laughs> to tell you uh -huh, you need to you need to open up a bit let people hold space for you the trip though was wonderful I felt so grounded during the trip like I had not even like I had I'm so sure that I've reclaimed power over my life like I'm so fucking sure of that 
it's difficult as fuck. It's lonely, you know, because a lot of the work, as much as I'm saying that people who hold space for you, a lot of the work is you. It's you leading it. It's difficult, but I can feel the results. I feel grounded and I felt it on this trip. I wasn't running from anything or anyone. I wasn't looking for distractions. I was in the moment, man. And I was open. I wasn't fearing, oh, I'm not going to eat this because of that. I'm not going to go there. because No, I was just so open. And it felt like that's who I am. Not the previous person who was so scared of even the smallest things. Understandably scared. Because one of my greatest fears is ever getting raped again or assaulted, etc. And more so in a different country. So I'll kind of hold back. And yes, you do have to take care of yourself. But I think for me, it had gotten out of (laughs) control. Yeah, and I just feel like that's disappeared. And I think the word is grounded. The word is grounded. And I was in the moment, man, I ate. Let me tell you, as I'm trying to put on weight, once I see how much I put on, let's say in the last two months, 90% was from this trip. (laughs) You know, like I ate the pastries in Dakar are so good. I would have two to three croissants every morning. That's ridiculous. Every single morning. The ma- oh, the mangoes. The mangoes. Oh, my goodness. I know it's worse because now we're not in mango season here in Kenya. So I'm just like missing those mangoes. I One of my favorite restaurants in Dakar. I've gone there every trip I go to. I've been to Dakar thrice. All those trips I've been to. Jet Cafe. It's by the water. The food. Hey, 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 the food. So this time around, the first time I went, because I went twice. The first time I went, I had um, poulet lananas, which is chicken pineapple. But it's this gravy. Ah, guys, I'm already hungry. <laughs> oh, my God, the food. And then the second time I went, I had this thing that is so, like, can you, um, I'm salivating. Um, I had this thing called gratin, gratin, I think I pronounced it well. G-R-A-T-I-N. Potatoes. Gratin. (laughs) Doesn't matter how I pronounce it. It was good. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. I've always loved Bisap, which is one of their, like a local juice, you could say. It's hibiscus juice with some mint and some ginger. And I've always only had the red one. I didn't even know there was another kind. But this trip, I found out there's a white one, which is pretty yummy as well. And then the jollof, you know, like at the airport, I was waiting for my flight. It kept getting delayed. Thank you, KQ. But anyways, kept getting delayed. But one thing that was making me not so mad is they just kept serving us jollof with this nice, it's not even a gravy. I don't know what it is, but it tasted so good. I just kept eating. I couldn't stop myself. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. Hey, most of my free time was spent either sleeping or eating, you know, essentials. <laughs> okay, let's jump into a hundred African stories. Always wanted to record the story. She's actually featured on one of our video series episodes, but I was a bit nervous at first because I am terribly lacking in knowledge when it comes to esports, like a hundred percent. 
But what I loved about Queen Aru's story is that it reminded me that as humans, it's not what we do that connects us. It's who we are that connects us. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. So the first time I played a video game, I remember around three years old. I remember there being these cartridge console games at home that are these old school duck shooting games. I just remember that I was really into it and I'd played with my elder brother a lot. From there, I went into my phase where I was really into Barbie dolls. I still am actually, uh, weirdly enough, but I was into dolls and, you know, all this feminine, girly stuff. But I still remember I had that love for video games. Growing up with my elder brother and cousin, now we had a computer that had Mortal Kombat um, and Street Fighter. I just remember really being into those games and competing against them. Then when I was in Standard Four, my dad got us a PlayStation 2. So now we had all these adventure games like Tomb Raider, we had Mortal Kombat, we had Tekken, uh, we had King of Fighters. And I think at the time I really loved seeing badass women in video games since I didn't really see many of those. I just remember loving Lara Croft and that's how I became a history buff because I actually wanted to be an archaeologist at some point because of what she did. Then uh, for the fighting games, I obviously learned for the female characters like Ling Xiaoyu, Christy Monteiro, uh, Maishira Nui, Chai Lim. And now, um, since I had more time with these games, uh, my brother was now in boarding school. So I just kind of perfected my craft. And he'd come from home from the holidays and he'd come with his friends. Then I was really good at this game so much so that they actually kicked me off sessions. They're like, go off. <laughs> That's how good I was at the time. Then in high school, I was too busy trying to survive. I think we know how Kenyan boarding schools are. So I kind of uh, toned down my you know, video game thing until I finished Form 4. Then when I was in uni, uh, having a lot of time on my hands out in, outside of class, I kind of started playing video games now again. I studied law. Uh, law is basically history. Like now, for, for example, in international criminal law, you learn about the, the tribunals that preceded them, like the Nuremberg Tribunal, the Tokyo Tribunals, the, <laughs> the ICTR, the Tribunal for Rwanda, the Yugoslavia Tribunal and such others. So I, I don't know, there's something with how my brain works. I just taught uh, historical information. So if you have to ask me about this particular time period, I can easily explain it to you. So in uni, I was in first year, and now this is the time I kind of decided to drop basketball. I, I don't know, I just didn't feel like it's something I needed to do anymore. So now I was like trying to find a way to occupy now that uh, extra time that I had. And on my laptop, I had video games, but you know, it kind of gets boring playing alone after a while. So I just decided, I don't even know what came over me. I just said, you know, let me Google tournaments in Nairobi. Then one of the first such results I got on my phone was the East African Gaming Convention. It was in April of 2017. So I, they said that, now I remember the fee at the time for signing up for the tournament. Uh, which was Mortal Kombat was 2000. So I was like, shit, I don't have that money on me. So I asked one of my cousins to pay, help me pay for it. And she did. Uh, 
I went for that tournament uh, during the Easter weekend with my brother, and I remember I really did my I did my best, all things considered. And once the tournament was done, I was fourth place out of I think around 15, 20 guys. So the tournament was held at Two Rivers in Nairobi, and how I felt during that tournament, I felt really like motivated. Because I saw that guys were way better than me. They've been playing the game for a while. They had access to you know what they needed to do to um, like succeed at the highest level. So I was like, I want to do that. Like I want to succeed. I want to have the resources. So I was like, um, this is what I'm going to be doing with my time from now outside of school. So at a tournament, you know, at this time, you, this is now guys who want to show like they're the best of them. So there's that competitive energy. Then there's also the nerves cause, you know, we don't know how strong your opponent is and you're like, you're just really jittery and you're nervous. So the whole time, especially the time that you start playing your games, you may be holding your breath so you may even forget to breathe. Then when it's done, you're like, wait, I wasn't breathing. <laughs> that's how it is for, for me. And that's not entirely the best way. You're supposed to at least try Take, you know, breathing during your sets and just relax. You know, at the end of the day, it's going to be fun. You're not supposed to like lose your mind. At this time, how my my family and friends felt about me attending tournaments, I don't I don't think they really got it because you know the video games are such a let me say niche concept, and you know, especially now competing at video games, not traditional sports. It doesn't really, I'd say, make sense. So they were, they weren't like saying like you're you're wasting your time, but they're like, how is this going to help you? They are, and they're kind of indifferent, but they still like stood by my decision. So they're like, I don't get it, but it's fine. So what came after? I still I was still looking for tournaments in Nairobi, but there weren't really many at the time. And then I just decided to drop Mortal Kombat because. I've only said this, how NRS, the studio that makes one to combat, balances the games, it's obscene. And, and I know and some NRS fans will come for me for saying this, but yeah, some of the characters are just not balanced properly. And I decided to move on to Tekken. So the next time I Googled tournament, I saw that there had been a Tekken tournament in Nairobi, held by the Tekken 5-4, but I missed it by a, a whole month, imagine. So I was like, but anyway, there's still some time. So I, I think no, this was now in December. I Googled again. Then I saw that rather there was going to be a Tekken tournament at the East African Gaming Convention, but now it was being held by the Tekken 254. So I signed up for the tournament. Then the founder, David Commands, he reached out to me. He said, you know, we actually have a Tekken community. Do you want to be part of the WhatsApp group? I was like, sure, why not? So I found there's a whole community of Tekken enthusiasts and I really thought it was cool. So I became part of the community. And now this is where I, I learned, like, you know, there are guys who are really, like, really serious about it. They, you know, they were so in touch with the fundamentals of the game. At this time, I was just competing and I was just learning slowly by slowly. I, yeah, I was getting washed during the tournaments, but it was fun for me at the time. Then in it May of 2018, that's when like everything changed. So there was a North American team, Exit Gaming. They wanted to like assign an African player. So they Googled on their end whether there was a Tekken community in Africa. They found that Tekken 24 was part of, you know, one, one of the first such results. They reached out and they decided to sign me on. So I was like, 
bro, I'm not even the best I can play in this community. I'm still a newbie to this game, so why me out of everybody else? Then they said, you know, be friend that you can, someone we can grow with. And I was like, why not? This isn't a chance that comes, you know, every other day, especially an American team signing on an African, a Kenyan player. From there, that's when my, I'd say my full-on pro journey started. I remember that was in May, around May, June. I was still on my, like, I was on holiday, on my long holidays. So you now the founder of the community, David Kamanzi, he reached out to me in a while. Uh, what's up? He said, you know, check your emails. So it was early morning, I'd just woken up. So I'm looking at, now what's this dude telling me? <laughs> then I check my email. I said at an email from Gaming, introducing themselves, saying that they're an American team. They're interested in me bringing on, so we should have a Discord call. So I started looking for the hidden cameras. Is Ashton Kosha gonna pop out and say I'm on punked? Then I'm like, ah, okay, it's real. So I had the call with them. They told me like what their mindset was like. They want to bring me on. They feel like you know I can learn a lot. I can get new experiences. Then eventually I can start to, you know traveling out for journeys and stuff. Then I was like, okay, uh, once in a lifetime opportunity, then I told my mom, then she was like, I don't get it, but congrats. Then I told my brother, he was like, you, you know, he was really happy. That's a huge deal. And I remember I didn't want to fill up the time, but I just knew it was a big deal. And, you know, I just took it as, as what it was. At this time, I didn't see many female competitors at the time. I don't I think it's just how women are socialized that the tech space and you know, video games are things that boys and men do not uh, women. Uh, for one, I had to go back to school because there's some units I had to retake. So I decided to just cut my long holiday show to go back to school and redo the units. So now at this time, I remember it was during my contract one class. I was using my phone. Don't do this. People. <laughs> So I get a text uh, from my cousin. So he sent me a picture. Then I see my myself on the people, and they done a feature on me. Then I was like, so and I think the title was the gaming queen or something. And like Jesus Christ, what's this? So I was like, okay, fine, fine, okay, I'm on the papers, fine. Then. I remember um, some, I don't know, someone from home called, they said, like, my dad even brought the newspaper, you know, like, telling guys, come see her, come see someone, the papers are like, I, as I didn't know that's how big of a deal it was, I just thought it was, no one would really care. Then guys in the community were, like, stoked. Then I started getting more people, like, more media houses reaching out to me, wanting to do features and interviews and then you know guys started also reaching down to me on instagram saying yo i think this is and more followers you this is so cool and you know now this is me uh, all of a sudden i'm starting to get more notoriety but i'm i'm this shy reserved person in real life so it was so overwhelming at some point like what, am, what is this I'm, I'm going to myself into? But I think the big one, like the really big feature was now in 2019 when BBC Africa now did a whole last feature of maybe what to river, uh, was it not rivers, what was this? Uh, the waterfront, uh, we went filming there then. Now, let me even backtrack before the BBC feature. So in 2018, I'd done a feature with a student in the Netherlands called Zoom in TV. 
So I didn't really think much of it. I did the future, it, it went well, life moved on. Now, you see there's the Tekken community in, from the Ivory Coast. Now, I don't know how they got a hold of that feature. But all of a sudden, now when, now, we're filming, now when I was filming now for the BBC, I saw my Twitter was blowing up. And I was like, okay. I, at the time, I was, I was just concerned and confused and didn't even know what was going on. Now when I, when I got home and settled in, I saw all of a sudden, I think at the time I had like 260 followers. Now all of a sudden, my following has reached like 600. Then it's because the Ivory Coast community had gotten a folder feature, then they had you know, turned guys and I was like, in the American and uh, UK FGC, and I was like, oh my God, what have these guys done? Now, uh, when the BBC feature now came out, you know, they tagged guys and... Now, you see, um, there are legends in the American FGC, like Anakin. All of a sudden, the guy, uh, you know, he's co-treated co to me that he's like, I'm a huge fan, I'm like, one of the legends, you know, one of the legends of the American FGC. Then he tells me congrats, and I'm like, Anak, he noticed me. He noticed me. Then he's like, don't mind me, I'm just a fan. Uh, keep up the great work, blah, blah, Like, you know, that feel, you know, that choking feeling I got. Yeah, it was just really amazing just how my life all of a sudden changed because um, people believed in me enough to, you know, take me on and then all of a sudden our community from, you know, their Tekken community from the Ivory Coast also believed in me so much so that they are willing to push out my stuff. And I would never, it's not, I've never met any of them, but, um, except for one, but they believed in me that much. So it really, really felt, it really felt like really good. So my first time in out of, side of Kenya was this year. It was in Johannesburg for, I was invited for Red Bull in the streets by Red Bull South Africa. So they reached out to Red Bull Kenya saying that they wanted me to go out in the tournament, get some experience and all that jazz. I remember the Red Bull office here now reached out to me and saying, so Sylvia, uh, we want you to go for Red Bull in the streets. You've been invited to go to Johannesburg. So I was like really, really excited because like, bro. We out here, we out here, so I was like, this is so exciting. And then I, now I was like, okay, I'm not going to be dealing with some of the best Tekken players from South Africa. I've seen them play, the, they're good at what they do. So now uh, people think I'm that I'm you know good enough to go against them. So I was like, this is not going to be easy. The invitation came in July. I had a lot of time to like and see start the preparations. So I reached out to guys in the community to ask like for help. Like one of them had actually gone for the Tekken Alto in South Africa, uh, for Cape Town Showdown, and he I'd say he knew how how uh, these guys play. So I asked for help and how to approach some of these matchups and what to do and what not to do. I felt that I prepared well enough in game, but my my mental preparation wasn't there. And I think that's what I learned the hard way. That's what takes precedent. I was really like nervous, like I was nervous on the plane. I I wasn't even able to eat properly. Like, uh, once I was even now in like in Johannesburg, like I was so nervous, I wasn't able to eat. Then I was just jittery, but they're telling me, don't stress too much. You know, it's all about the experience. But I think it's mattered, you know, it still mattered enough to me because I felt terrible when I lost. Like I was like, 
it was just really distraught. There's no other way to explain it. Then the guys, they were, they were really nice about it. They're like, don't take it so personally. Like, you know, all of us have been there. Like, we've lost tournaments where we felt we shouldn't have lost. At the end of the day, what matters is like, how do you pick yourself up after, you know, such an experience? And then even one of the Street Fighter players, that, uh, his name is Jabi. He was telling me that he went for Red Bull, Kubite, and he went through the same thing that I'd gone through, like, he, you know, he was really distraught after he lost. So he told me, what really matters is how do you pick yourself up after such an experience? You know, he was like, he was asking, are you sad? You're mad? Good. Now use that to make yourself, you know, better, I think. So when I came back from Johannesburg, I was still sad and I was still mad. And I actually wanted to cry, but I didn't know how to let it out. Then um, I'm also burnt out at this juncture because jet lag. Then I had some community stuff I was participating in. Then I still played ba like badly. Then I was like, no, I think I'm burnt out with this game for now. So I'm going to have to chill. Then I'm like, I, I don't know. I kind of went into an existential crisis. I'm just at home. I'm eating chocolate in my room. Then I'm like, how do I pick myself back up after such an experience because it was a lesson i know it's a lesson i needed to learn the funny thing is i still achieved what i went to johannesburg uh to do i in a way I, I still achieved what i needed to achieve but at the same time it's the hardest lesson that i want to learn like losing on such an as a platform where i thought i you know i had i could you know i thought that i could win and you no know, could achieve so now i'm here i'm distraught i'm just eating chocolate um, I don't know, I just felt really terrible. Then now I had to now go to France, but it wasn't a competition. Now it was for the the summit, then I still had some show matches I, I was playing in. So for France, the day I came from, like now after I came from Johannesburg, I was called by the French embassy. They told me that you're going for the, the new Africa-France summit. And there's also this thing with, uh, the, is it? I don't know if the pronunciation is Okitani or Rositani Esports in Montpellier. So visa interviews on Monday. So bring this doc, this uh, list. I'm given a list of documents. Then I'm like, okay. So now I'm traveling again. <laughs> and you know, at this point, it went out, but you're like, uh, with not not the like the traveling, not the game, but you know, you st there's still an exhibition that you have to place. I'm like, okay. I just took, as I said, I just took it for what it is. I went for the interview, got the visa, I traveled. And I think what I found was different about this trip is now I also met with a very famous French player, Kayane. Um, she's one of the people who's been really supportive of my career. She's, and she's had a lot of, let's say decades of experience with competitive uh, gaming. So I went to France, I played against how in some exhibitions and she gave me some like some really interesting advice she asked me how old I was so I told her then she was like you know I started competing I've been competing since I was around seven then I started traveling at 19 and she told me when we were playing like you know I could feel that you were nervous and but she said you know you know this kind of thing it you lose the nerves as you gain more experience and you know, you're still young, you still have so much to experience. So don't like, 
as I said, just don't take it so like personally, like with losing. You're gonna lose a lot before you win. It's basically what I was told in Johannesburg. How do you pick yourself up after, and how do you find the path uh, forward now, which is my current like existential crisis? How do you find the path forward? Um, currently, you know, like I'm just re- reevaluating how I'm looking at fighting games, and even right now I'm actually reading a book which was written by Daigo the Beast. Uh, he's one of the, I think he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, street fighter player of all time. And I'm reading the book, and I can just see myself there in all honesty. How he got into fighting games, how he had to reevaluate himself, because there's a time he took a break for like three years. Uh, he started playing Mahjong, and then he like got like a, let me call it a nine to five. And this is like, he's achieved so much, but then he just decides to go, you know, go dark for three years and go into a normal job. He re- started reevaluating himself, like the difference between setting goals and objectives, you know, the overall goal should be how does this make me grow as a person even though the objectives are maybe in-game objectives so that's not the stuff i'm now trying to reevaluate like why exactly am i doing this by the time i'm like in my 40s what do i want to have achieved do this have made me grow as a person uh how love grown as a player how love has it made a difference that's this, now that's the existential crisis I'm in. Then to reach those overall goals, now the object now I'm now straight, trying to set different, I'd say, objectives like in game. For example, I want to have gained this amount of character knowledge by this time, and it's not easy, but. I think you know God doesn't give you stuff. You can, he can give you a burden that you're not able to bear, and I know it's a burden that I'm able to like carry on my shoulders, but it's very difficult because no, it's really forced me to face my I'd say insecurities and you know my you know my fears as a player because you know the thing is in being in a male-dominated space they I'd say these are different standards that women are held to and you know at times you have to also deal with an extra layer of scrutiny because now you feel that if I lose people are going to stay, say that oh she's just all hype no she does she can't you know deliver uh, then you know there's also the extra layer that you may you, you you're scared you're going to start getting harassed on if it's not on Twitch on your DMs and stuff like that. Um, but then I was forced to reevaluate like okay fine I'm going to be scared of what people say people are going to talk or say all manner of things about me but does it align with my values and my goals and objectives as a player? It doesn't. There's always going to be that clown in you know if it's not Arkansas or in. <laughs> let's say in Addis Ababa or some just any part of the world who's going to say some nasty stuff about you, but does it align with what I want to achieve? No, so you ignore. I've had the unfortunate experience of dealing with harassment in this space. Then you know now from those that experience, now there's that preemptive fear like, God, if I don't do well, People are going to, you know, I'm going to get all these nasty statements soon. And then statements from me, then there's also the uh, imposter syndrome. I think a lot of us uh, face, like, you're like um, you feel like, oh, I don't deserve what, um, you know, this, or what, you know, these accolades I'm getting. People are going to think that if I don't, if you don't do well, they're going to think that they are wrong to push your face in you. The, you know, that those nasty little voices at the back of your head. So... 
Yeah, it's a little bit of both. And unfortunately, that also, it can also mess with your mental psyche. Then, as I also mentioned earlier, that I'm a very shy and reserved person. So being in, a, let's say, a public figure, it's a very different experience from to, for me. Okay, so Quinara is my gamer tag. I got the name, actually, it's something I named myself. In high school, I was a huge fan girl of the TV series Arrow. Uh, based on the comic book character Oliver Queen. So now at the time I was really into this series because I just thought it was really cool how he stood for the right thing even if it might have cost him everything. Um, so I took his surname Queen and his pseudonym as Arrow because now everyone in the city is calling him the Arrow. So I took that and I, call, I started calling myself uh, Queen Arrow then. I, that's what I started registering myself for tournaments with. Um, a person future for esports, especially on the continent, would be for one that we're actually considered equals. So that would mean that we actually know uh, developers are now building servers here in Africa. We don't have to rely on North American or European servers for some of our games. Uh, two, that we actually have homogeneous infrastructure that allows us to play with, uh, I can easily play someone, with someone from Egypt or in the Ivory Coast or in Madagascar without uh, too much, I'd say, lag, well, especially online. For me now, as a past, like as an esports athlete, I actually want to be the most recognized esports athlete from the African continent. I want to be one of the greatest Tekken players a world-class Tekken Plus, and uh, be, let me be a bit vain, uh, getting my brand in my brand endorsements and sponsorships in this space. And I also just want to be one of those who managed to enable, you know, esports to be recognized as a valid career path. Then back to the whole African continent thing, actually having policies that enable the space to thrive, that means less punitive taxation policies, more legal regulations that are favorable to the space. Um, so I feel a lot of emotions in this world, mostly nerves, uh, thank you, anxiety. So, you know, now being a person that has to deal with a lot of um, anxiety, I tend to feel a lot while playing. But I think the most interesting thing is that once I start getting to the zone, there's that competitive, you know, there's just this weird rush that I get. And then on top of that is now, that rush is now, like I can say, boosted or validated is when I start seeing you no know, stuff that, like maybe mistakes my opponent is making, um, capitalizing on it, then I just feel stuff flowing, like everything that I've been taught from, you know, my many teachers in the space, like this person has done this move and no, it's punishable. I started, you know, my punishment has just started getting better. They've whiffed this move. I punish them. They're going for this low, nice try, <laughs> punish. And then now it's just, you know, everything just starting to come together in this. I, let me call it like, I think you watch the Matrix where Neo starts when he's having that Kung Fu lesson with um, Morpheus. Everything's just meshing together. And now that rush really comes in. So that's how I, you know, I really feel. I just feel honestly, I didn't set out to become this big esports like a figure in Kenya. I just did it because I was having fun. I just enjoyed competing. And the thing is, uh, with the success 
I've seen in this space, I only feel it's, it's only up from here. So I just want to see what comes next. I want to learn. I really want to become that world-class Tekken player, become one of the greats. And, you know, as I said, being the most recognized esports athlete from the African continent, that's all I want. Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. I hope you found parts of yourself in Queen Ira's story. I really did, which is why I loved even just going back to the story and producing it. I was like, oh, my goodness, this relates to what I'm going through right now. <laughs> I have probably played a sum total across my life of two minutes of a video game. And that was probably over a decade ago. And I still found parts of myself in Queen Aru's story. Uh, when she was talking about imposter syndrome, feeling like you're not good enough to be in the rooms you get invited to or the rooms that you already occupy. You know, I've spoken about it earlier in this episode, but I think it's also reminded me about one of the best Christmas gifts I've ever gotten that I got in a year where I was doubting myself incredibly. And... I got a memory card full of all of my career achievements, all the amazing things that Legally Clueless Africa had achieved and produced. Um, also had a, a folder of my favorite memes that just would crack me up. And that gift still sits on my main office desk to date. Like I'm recording this while looking at it. Just for those moments where I just need a reminder of how capable I am. And so that was a gift. But what I've started doing that I think you can as well is at the beginning of the year, I opened a folder on my phone that's called 2023 Moments. And it's not only limited to career moments. It's any moment that made me feel warm and happy and enjoying this human experience. And I store photos or videos related to those moments in this folder. And so I'm going to collect them across the year. And probably reflect on them in December. But more than anything, whenever I feel low or doubting, etc., I can go back to that folder at any time and just be reminded of the good moments. So maybe you should try it. It's working for me so far. I also found myself in the part where she's talking about revelations. Why am I doing this? What is my goal? You know, I realized I have to ask this of not just work and my business and I think we're really good at doing that even when you're employed it's like what's the trajectory of this job where am I going to be in five years and all of these things but we're not so good with doing that in our relationships our friendships our own personal development and I've realized that I've got to ask those questions in those spaces as well you know in the spaces I occupy as an individual my relationship with self and in my relationships and my friendships why am I here? These questions have helped me identify when I'm in spaces that need a reduced version of me. And, you know, the questions have also helped me leave those spaces quick, fast and in a hurry. And so I think it's good practice to constantly have a check in with yourself and ask, why am I doing this? Why am I here? Does this feel good? Does this feel in line with what my true purpose is? Listen to your inner intuition it's probably going to be giving you answers to those questions. And these are questions to ask yourself, not only in relation to the job you're doing, the business you're building, your career. No, but in relation to your relationship with self 
your intimate relationships, and hey, even your friendships. I think these are questions that are very important. Anyway, I've shared links to Queen Aru's Instagram in the show notes. Go show her some love. She's really repping for Kenya. And yeah, I think we can do a better job of celebrating her as, as a country. Speaking of our country, if you're in Kenya, you can catch this podcast on Trace FM. We're there every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. and 11 p.m. and Fridays at 1 p.m. Just go to traceradio.co.ke to stream. Make sure you check out our website as well, legallycluelessafrica.com. Sign up to join our community. And this week, you know what I feel drawn to share with you? I think I want to leave you with grace, but a specific type. I know I leave you with grace all at a time. But this time, this grace is not for other people. You know how I'm constantly telling you to extend others grace? Mm-mm. This time, I want to leave you with grace for yourself. So perhaps this week, extend grace to yourself. And perhaps it's time to finally forgive yourself. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.